How do you make business problems disappear? Wrap them in bacon. For business owners, marketing execs, and anyone trying to grow your business, pump your profits, and make more while doing less, welcome to Bacon Wrapped Business with Brad Costanzo. Sizzling hot business advice guaranteed to make you fat. Profits? Every week our chefs will serve you proven recipes for ramping up your revenue. Now here's your host, Brad Costanzo. All right, welcome back to Bacon Wrap Business. This is Brad, and if you have just stumbled across the podcast and you saw bacon and business and you think, I like both of those, but what the heck is going on? Uh, welcome to the, the podcast. This is my platform where I reach out to some of the most successful, inspirational, ambitious, uh, knowledgeable experts that I can find so that I can systematically pick their brain for purely selfish reasons and allow you to listen in like a fly on the wall on conversations that I want to have anyway with people that I really want to talk to. And I let you guys listen for free. Aren't I nice? Uh, I kind of joke, but I kind of don't. Uh, this is a, this is a tremendous way for me to, you know, find some of the information. Um, that I am personally using not only in my own business, but in that of my clients as a business and marketing consultant who works with multiple types of companies. It's always in my best interest to keep on top of the, the most cutting edge strategies, the, you know, the brightest minds and what they're doing so that I can share that with them. And I love sharing it with you as well. I also love it when you guys share with me. So if you're a subscriber, you've heard me say this before. And if you're, you know, not obviously become a subscriber, you can always hit that little button on the iTunes machine. And um, you can always reach me at askbrad at baconwrapbusiness.com. I do get a ton of emails from you guys. I love them. Some of them are filled with uh, some of the sticking points that you've got in your business. Maybe you've plateaued. Maybe you need some fresh ideas or a second opinion. Uh, send those to me. Maybe you just have a guest recommendation or a topic recommendation. And that's how I come across a lot of my folks. So don't hesitate to reach out to me at askbrad at baconwrappedbusiness.com. Today, I am excited to bring on a guest that I have known probably for at least 10 years. And he and I were business partners way back in the day on really one of our first uh, online marketing business, a software called Pig Tones, stood for Politically Incorrect GPS Tones. Uh, I met Dale through a, uh, a mutual acquaintance. We became good friends. We became, became business partners. We've kept in contact. And even though we're no longer business, doing business together, uh, you know, today I've watched some of the stuff that he's done and he's always impressed me through with his, uh, ability to not only, you know, create money in a uh, various number of industries, but to go really big and not think small. And he's inspired me to do much of the same. So Dale's uh, background, I'll let him go into it a little bit, but one of the reasons I brought him on to talk to you today is because we were just having a conversation uh, recently as we were catching up, and he mentioned that what he does now for a living instead of building businesses is he creates CEOs for the businesses. And I was really uh, intrigued by this, especially after a recent episode that I did with Mark Winters, the uh, co-author of the book Rocket Fuel, talking about the the um the the integral relationship between the the visionary and the integrator the person who gets the things done and i thought this would be a perfect follow up to uh dale and um let me go ahead and bring him on and say hello dale welcome to making rap business brother 
Brad, it has been a lot of time, a lot of years since we've uh, really had a chance to sit down and talk. So it was great to catch up. But yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, my pleasure. This has been a long time coming. So I mean, I remember when we, we you know, when we first met, you were running. Uh, I mean, it was a public company, I think, at the time that you were still running. And um, you know, we met through Susan Stageman and uh, kind of hit it off. You got me into, you know, her taking neurolinguistic programming class and. You know, we bonded through there and then through pig tones and the ups and downs of that. But, um, you know, let's, uh, I know your background pretty well. Why don't you give us a kind of a short version of, uh, what <laughs> that's probably hard for you, but of what you've kind of done over the course of your career so that people understand why they should kind of listen closely. Cause then I'm going to dive into some really selfish questions. Awesome. Well, get as selfish as you want, but, uh, here's the 30,000 foot view of my history. Uh, you know, hitchhiked around the country for a while, went up to Alaska, became an Alaska commercial fisherman for about five years when I was a, when I was a year, very young man and, uh, moved back to uh, Idaho at some point, started buying up apartments. I bought up like 250 apartments in like two and a half years, starting with no money, no credit, didn't know what the hell I was doing, but, uh, I didn't know it was impossible. So I did it anyway. Moved to Dallas, bought part of a 400-unit apartment complex there, uh, you know, ended up getting a pissy match with uh, the city of Dallas, learned my lesson, learned a lot of stuff, then started buying non-performing mortgages, thought that was a great idea after 9-11 to get into something that when I saw the banks would be crashing. So in 2002, I took a company public, um, ran that for about five years as my as a CEO, uh, growing it to the point where in 2007, we were buying as many as like 300 houses a week. And uh, sold my position off and then moved, retired kind of to uh, uh, New Mexico and realized after a few years, I sucked at retirement, came out of retirement, built another online business um, with a couple partners here in New Mexico. To, we did, uh, I think we sold about $75 million direct to consumer over the last four years um, online. And uh, now we do assisted living um, buy distressed real estate and do our online stuff as well as got some software and some other deals, investments and so on and so forth floating out there. So yeah, a bunch of different things. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. And we know we could go down many rabbit holes and talk, you know, about those. But one of the, as I said, I kind of want to just jump right into the heart of this is not so much about real estate. It's not about supplements. It's not about any individual business. It's about, uh, you know, the bigger picture about how you've kind of uh, stepped away from just being the, <clears throat> the, I guess the business owner and the tactician to, per, to really just being a, either the deal maker, the person who identifies the opportunity, and then you bring in people to run it. And really specifically, we were talking about, uh, you know, one of your most recent businesses, how you brought in a, you know, a CEO to run that. And I know as a business owner myself who has, struggled with being too much in the weeds and rolling my sleeves up and just saying, I, I'm going to just go do it. It slowed me down because it's kind of kept me, you know, it's kept me working in the business as opposed to on it. Right. Um, so I want to, I really want to dive into, I don't know the exact first question to ask, but well, the, maybe me, it's the mindset. Yeah. Well, let me, let me start with, um, so let me tell you, you and I had touched upon the, how I was approaching the CEO gig uh, differently. And so let me explain that. And that will probably generate some questions for you. Cool. <clears throat> All right. So I've started and run, I guess about 15, 16 different businesses at this point. And as I've done it as always the CEO myself, 
uh, I've learned how to be a really good CEO over the years and how to make a lot of mistakes because I've seemed to have perfected that, it seems. Um, and I've, I've learned all these really cool things, but over time I learned how to, uh, delegate to other people. Well, one of the things that I've really learned in the last several years is how to delegate earlier, uh, to people who are going to be the leaders of the business and then step back and be the, um, I'm kind of like the king maker instead of the king anymore. I don't want to have to wear that heavy crown when I can be behind the scenes and make other people be really cool CEOs, groom them, um, invest in them, invest in their education, help them become really, really effective while in the background acting as both a safety net to them and as their investor. And so they end up with a piece of equity. They end up with a opportunity to learn and then they get to run the business and they work and I don't have to work quite as hard. I don't have to sweat quite as much and I don't have to stay up uh, quite as late, you know, freaking out when things do or don't go right in the business. And um, I get to sit back and kind of, you know, take a little bit different uh, tact and be a little bit more strategic, um, be a little bit more hands off and be a little, a little bit able to do deals in the background that facilitate and help the business grow in massive ways. So it's like coming in almost as an angel investor into another group, except in this way, I am putting the business together. I find the CEO, usually an inexperienced uh, or an inexperienced CEO or somebody who's had their own business or been successful or failed a couple of times. And I will take them and put them in my business and then inform and encourage and become their cheerleader. I'm, it's almost like being an angel investor into own my own businesses first, but I get to handpick everything yeah. without having to do everything. Yeah. And you said something, you said a lot of good things there. Like n number one was how to delegate earlier. Cause it's one thing that everybody thinks, okay, I'll start the business. I mean, myself included, I'll start the business. I'll get it going. And I'll get to a point where I can then afford to bring in that CEO and that person to, so that I can step back. The problem is that's kind of a moving target. You get in it and it's always feeling complex and you're always running around. And by then you're so busy running the business. You don't have time to kind of step back and go just recruit and put as much time and effort as it takes into that. And that's one aspect, but then the other one you kind of hit on, which was good. It's, it's very easy to see how this could be done if you have, you know, if you're, if you're filthy rich and you can throw a lot of money at hiring the most experienced CEOs and bring them in. And that's like, yeah, that's great. But what I liked about what you said is you are able to bring in, uh, not totally green, you know, just people off the street, but they have some experience, but not necessarily the most high priced people that you can bring people in early enough so that they're affordable and start to groom them early. Cause that's what I think most of the listeners can probably also, uh, identify with. Cause most of them are small business owners. I, right. I imagine, I don't think there's a whole lot of billionaires listening, uh, except for, you know, a few, but, um, that, yeah, that's really where, where I want to go into. And I know, for instance, you know, my listeners have heard me talk about the coffee business that we started about six months ago. And I'm already at that phase where I've been great at getting it launched and getting it up. And now we're starting to hit that phase where we are, um, it's the management of the business. It's, hey, it's, it's off the ground. It's creating revenue, but I absolutely loathe the day to day, the operational crap. I want to be able to step in for the big deals, for the big marketing strategy, et cetera, and find that person that I can groom and bring in early, not only for this, but for the other ventures. Cause that's the one thing that I, that's the next evolution of me as an entrepreneur. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, so let me tell you a little bit about some of the, an example of like a CEO bring in and how I structure it and what it looks like. And then you can ask me specific questions. Um, and cool. let's, you know, we could even use your, 
you know, for selfish reasons, your stiletto coffee, what would I do in your position yeah. that would be different than you would do? Um, first, one of the things is that I, um, this, this came out of actually something else I had been doing for a little while. I had been coaching, um, CEOs when I was in retirement. Um, I'm, you know, it's kind of expensive. I'm a thousand bucks an hour, 50 hour or a hundred hour blocks period. They have to be doing 10 million or more a year before I would even take them on as a client. And I'd try to keep it down to like two or three clients a year. But, um, I would coach these guys and I would do, they, and I'd watch their businesses go from say 10 million or 50 million and up. And I'd go, wow, you know, I, I'm, I, I go in and I know exactly what to say to these guys so that they get unstuck and they launch and they leap off this plateau they had been on and they just climb in value. And I thought, God, it'd be great if I could, you know, get a piece of that. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So I started coaching, um, smaller entrepreneurs and saying, Hey, listen, I'll take 5% or 10% of your business to, uh, 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 you know, to coach you or mentor you. And that started turning into kind of like an investment portfolio of mine, uh, which was great. But also, um, you know, sometimes they were just like complete idiots and I couldn't reach them and I couldn't get through to them. So I, you know, the, the deals don't work when you have a ineffective CEO. So I, I realized, what if I were to actually, coach somebody from the ground up and put them in. And that's the the genesis of this idea and that I've been doing for the last several years. So, um, so I went from coaching this, you know, you know, $10 million or a year CEOs down to, you know, investing in smaller people and kind of being like a seed investor, both with uh, experience and cash. Um, so what happens is, is I find somebody, uh, this is my favorite person to find somebody who's ambitious, who just got their ass kicked. <laughs> And I'm talking about somebody who had built up a business and it failed for one reason. It was like their first business and it failed. So what you end up with is somebody who's ambitious, wants to be their own boss, but realized that they were overwhelmed, couldn't do it themselves, or they sucked at some aspects of the business um, versus other. Like you, you're like what's known as tip of the spear or point of the plow, Mm -hmm. where you are like, you want to be in there and start stuff. But you don't want to be there to plow. You want, you will plow the first furrow into a field to say, Hey, there's opportunity here. And I've set the, set the pace. I've set the direction. I've set all of these, uh, beginning things, but you don't want to be there every single row that Correct. you plow. And you don't want to be there every year replanting the same field. You're just bored. Um, not much different from what I do in that, in that case, being the tip of the plow uh, and looking for greenfield opportunities. Here's what I do with somebody who has failed. They've already had their teeth kicked in. They know that it didn't kill them. They realize, wow, nobody jumped out from underneath their bed and ate them. They didn't go to jail because a lot of people really think if I fail, I go to jail. It's an unconscious thing. It's amazing to hear when it, when it comes out of people's mouths yeah. um, that they're going to somehow be in trouble or they're going to somehow be a failure and, and nobody's ever going to talk to them again. And when they realize, wow, I failed and, and, and all that terrible stuff didn't come to pass, they're, they still have to lick their wounds. They don't have any confidence in themselves, uh, but they have all of this great experience. And more importantly, they know what not to do. So those are my favorite people. If you if I find somebody who's just gone bankrupt or, or, or a few months after bankruptcy and a few months after business crashes and, and realizes that, you know, I'm, I, I need to find something else to do after they mope around a little bit. You can't pick them up when they're moping. You got to get them when they're like ready to bounce. And so I find this person and I say, here's what I'm going to offer you. And I, I paint a very specific picture. Uh, 
How would you like to be part of something larger that you run, you're your own boss, and you have a piece of equity, but I will take some of the financial risk. In fact, I'll take most of the financial risk off of you. And they're like, wow, that that would be great. And I can bring in some capital that you didn't have before. Well, that'd be awesome. And I will give you some guidance, coaching, some advice from behind the scenes so that you can get better at this business. And this will probably not be your last business. In other words, you'll go on and be, do other businesses yourself later, and that this will be phenomenally good experience for you without the I am your boss expectations. Okay. When you give somebody the opportunity to have to make a significant impact in their own life, when you give them the opportunity to grow and to support them and you're not their boss, even just those, those mental shackles falling off of them, um, is, is such an empowering thing to watch happen to people that I go, Hey, look, these, I, I'm going to remove these shackles. You're not going to have them. And, but you are going to be like a partner and you, you're going to have like partner level responsibilities. It's amazing to see them go, I'm ready for this. And they dig in. I, yeah, I love that. Now, is it, is it challenging to find these people? Do you kind of have to stumble across them? Is there a process <laughs> like, you know, you seek them out? Are you watching stuff that's going on in the news? Is it anything in particular? Is it? So, um, I bet if you picked up your phone and you look through your phone, you would probably find several people who you know were starting a business last year or a year before, a couple years ago. If you called them right now, how is their business? If you just keep, you know, keep in touch with people who are in your circle who, uh, didn't have, who had a business, you're going to find, well, I decided to give up on that because, and you know, you're going to be surprised at how many people cycle through these various things in life. I mean, what, what is the risk? I'm not the least like, bit of surprise. Cause I mean, I've done that. I've started and failed at a bunch of stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. Me too. It's like, an, I'm an expert at it now. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. So the thing is, is that if you look through your, so that's one way is look through your phone. If you have a good network, if you don't have a good network, um, I mentor at an accelerator where I go down to a, a business accelerator here in town and these businesses come in and they're like, okay, we're, we're going to do this lean process. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And I sit there and take them through the process and help them out and kind of like help them make realizations of where they're at and what they're, you know, they say, I think this is true. And then we find out it's not, I help them make all those realizations in doing so you're going to be in a room. If you do, if you look at angel investment groups, if you look at, um, uh, uh, accelerators or incubators, you're going to find a bunch of people or even any kind of like BNI or anything like where business people congregate. You're going to find lots of people who've had some failures and sometimes most recently, you know, three, six, eight months ago. And they're in the, okay, well, I failed and I bounced and now I'm looking for my next opportunity. You're going to find a plethora of people to pick from. You'll, you'd be really surprised at how rich the field is, especially when you come in and say, hi, my job is to make you better. And my job is to make you a CEO of one of my companies so that you can uh, run this thing and I can come to you and give you advice, uh, resources, uh, you know, strategy, but you're going to be responsible and it's going to be, you know, your big badge on your shoulder. Because I don't go around telling people, oh, I, I have this business and it's all about me and I'm all important. That's what you do when you're the first time CEO. When you've done it a number of times, you're kind of done, mm -hmm. you know, I, I've been a CEO of a publicly traded company. And at this point, I'm just like, yeah, I, yeah, I don't care. I, I'd just rather be the guy in the back, you know, who wears the sandals and hangs out in shorts. That's me. Sandals <laughs> and socks. Just and socks. Just to be clear. Yeah. Sandals and socks. I, I'm that guy, right? <laughs> I, I don't want to be up on stage necessarily going, it's all about me and I'm awesome. 
um, I'm more than happy to be a cheerleader at this point. And that's what I found with a number of our businesses is that if I find the right people and if I encourage them and I uh, give them the resources and I am a big cheerleader when they're down and when you have, you know, as a CEO or as a business owner, you're going to have these moments of doubt. You're going to have these moments of overwhelm. You're going to have these moments of who do I turn to? Because, and that's why a lot of business coaches exist because, you know, a lot of business owners are going, I need a little bit of coaching right now. Yeah. So I'm kind of a mentor, coach, uh, investor, all wrapped into one. And as a result, the, to a lot of guys or people who I approach for this offer, they're just like, holy shit, that's me. I want to be that. Can I work for you? Can I do this? And I'm like, well, uh, you can kind of work for me, but I'd really rather you be my partner. And here's how we're going to do it. And I lay out a pretty you know, clear plan. And um, I also have them understand what a level five commitment is. Uh, I think... I can't remember which book it was. Maybe it was good to great. They talked about level five leaders. And I think there was like level five commitment. A level five commitment is, is like you are committed to the outcome, not the how. And so, you, you know, uh, if you get somebody who's committed to getting it done, regardless of the obstacles, that's who you really want to bring in as a CEO, because almost everything else can be trained. Yeah. You know, they don't have an expertise in the industry read a lot. They don't have the expertise in a specific strategy. Here's how to do it. They don't have uh, the contacts. Fine. I got that. Um, so you're looking for somebody who has a level five commitment more than I have lots and lots and lots of uh, contacts and experience. Those are the experienced CEOs that you pay an arm and a leg for, but you can make an, an experienced CEO by giving them the right mindset, giving them the right resources, the tools and a uh, behind the scenes coaching. As well as, you know, investing in believing in a little, believing in them a little bit. I've found that after a failure, a business owner, um, who has somebody who believes in them, um, again, is like almost like they're like, I can't believe somebody believes in me. That they're maybe so they much don't more know. grateful. Oh my God, they are. And yeah. there's like, thank you. Yeah. Especially when their, their confidence is shot, but their capabilities are still intact. Their capabilities have gone up several levels. Right. But they don't know that yet. Mm. Yeah, and then, and then they're thinking, okay, I'm either going to have to do this all over again and start something and go maybe raise money and put myself out there, and now maybe I'm broke. Um, so, yeah, I like that. I mean, it's, <laughs> it is kind of funny. I mean, you you really made your bones in business by buying distressed properties. <laughs> yes. And now you're buying distressed CEOs. <laughs> <laughs> There's patterns in everything, I tell you. Oh, my God, there is. So, um, to give an example, here's, an, here's a CEO that I did a deal with. I came to this person. And I said, all right, we're going to give you 15% of this business. Here's what we think the business will do over this period of time with all these resources. Here's what your roles and responsibilities are. I'm going to help you bring and pick your team. So, you know, I can give you, so they don't have to come up with all the money to do this. And uh, I'm going to help you pick the team and I'm going to help um, bring resources to the table. Your job is to formulate your team, get them to, um, you know, through forming, storming, norming and performing and get them to that performance level and to babysit all of this stuff and, you know, take care of all the details and do all this stuff and help implement all of this stuff that we're going to do with this business plan. Um, for that, you're going to get, you know, a ridiculously low salary. Basically, um, it's ramen noodle. I call it the ramen noodle salary. It's, mm -hmm. it's as low as they can physically. And I, and I have a really interesting conversation with them. I say, here's the thing. I don't want to hear what you want your salary to be. I want to know what your living expenses are and let's cover those so you don't starve. But frankly, I don't want, you know, you having a really nice car and doing all this stuff. That's 
partner level stuff you get on the back end. For right now, you're going to be broke for a couple of years. And I tell them, I'm really honest with it. I says, you're going to be broke for a couple of years and just get used to it. But here's the resources you're going to have access to. I said, if you started your own business, you would be broke for the same number of years or more. Um, but you wouldn't have a safety net and you'd have to do all this stuff yourself. And if, if you screwed up, it'd all be back on you. And you've just experienced that. You don't want it. So I'm your safety net. Let me cover your living expenses. So sometimes, depending on what state it is, in New Mexico, it's cheap. You know, I think I got one person. A little person. harder to do in San Diego. Yeah, yeah, I know. But but the idea is the same. But, yeah, you know, is. and the thing is, is um, uh, sometimes they may have a spouse that's working, so it can help offset. Absolutely. So, like, uh, in New Mexico, I think uh, one of the CEOs is getting $2,500 a month base. That is a ridiculously low amount. Right. However, they have a opportunity to earn 5% per year for the next three years. So, they're going to own 15%. We've already put in almost $2 million worth of assets into this deal, and they're going to own 15% of those assets that go all in. And the cash flow that those assets generate. So we're looking at in two years, that person's going to have a base salary of about $150,000. Okay. Well, that's a better start, but we're going to look to grow this for 10 or 15 or $20 million. That's going to increase this to their income, you know, multiple times. And they have a huge, uh, they have an, uh, they're 28. So they're much younger. Right. They've already failed at one business. They didn't have the resources to start a business. And if they were to achieve the same level of income, it would take them years to build up that asset base or that business. And they just didn't have the experience, the confidence, um, or the resources to do so. So this is a win-win for, for them and, and for me. So in the background, I get to sit back and say, how are you doing with your team? What did you learn? What black eyes did you get? What, what embarrassing things did you learn? I get to have all of the same discussions that I would as a, either as a coach, coach yeah. or as a, uh, uh, as a mentor or an angel investor. I get to have all those same conversations and they get to benefit from the, the ownership structure and they have an opportunity to even buy in some more. So if they say, Hey, listen, uh, instead of taking all this money off the table, I want to reinvest into the company. Um, we've given them an opportunity to buy up to another 10%. Well, that's like 25% ownership in a business that they started with with nothing and we brought all the resources and everything else. That is a good place, especially knowing that they're young and it's not going to be their last business. Right. So you do like to stick to the um, a slightly younger crowd as opposed to finding somebody who's kind of a, you know at the tail end of their career, like maybe in their 50s or something <laughs> of that nature. Well, actually, no. One of them um, I've dealt with is in their 50s and they're kind of um, – they're at the beginning part of their entrepreneurial career. They're at their ending part of their past career. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the the awesome part about 50-year-olds is, uh, first of all, they have an enormous amount of experience in a lot of things, but not perhaps um, being a CEO. And that's where uh, they're ready for it. They've got the maturity for it. They just don't have sometimes the, st- the exact tactics or the know-how. And that's where I come in and say, here's the process. Um, so that that can be actually a beneficial thing as well. Yeah, I love that. So, um, kind of recapping so far, you know, I, I like, you know, finding out how you can delegate. Well, delegate earlier. How often do you do this? Uh, you know, bring them in before you even start it up. Like, I've got this idea. This is what I want to do. Or do you kind of get it going, get the ball rolling so that there's something that they're stepping into as opposed to just starting up? Um, a mix well, or it, it is a mix. Sometimes I I start something and then I go, mm, you know what I th- uh, I don't need to be running this. Right. So uh, I've gotten better over the years. So now I bring them in closer to the beginning. 
And in fact, I prefer it's at the beginning because then, um, uh, well, so the last two I just did are both were at the beginning. One of them was a, um, Hey, we're going to do this business model. Would you be willing to be the CEO run this? And here's the whole, you know, pathway we're going to take for the next four years. Would you be willing to be in this position? If you can give me a level five commitment to that, I will give you these things. So I brought them in at the very, very beginning. Okay. I like awesome. that. Yeah. I, so, I love that. So, so finding them younger, typically, if you can, uh, somewhat distressed based upon, you know, some of the things they've done in the past where they've, you know, kind of failed to get where they want to be, but they've got some experience and, um, they're much more, uh, I guess, appreciative of getting groomed, yep. uh, et cetera. And you're, t- and like you said, you're taking the risk off of them. They've got a level five commitment. So, you, right. you know, they're on board. Right. Uh, you're able to pay them relatively inexpensive. You let them vest with their percentage. Yep. So, so that's, uh, and, and then finding them, it's part of it's just networking. Part of it's telling people what you do, right? Like when I mentioned, how do you find that? You, like you said, what is it? You like your elevator pitch as well. I create CEOs. Yeah. Yeah. So I create CEOs. So, um, I, I taught a class a while back about uh, two sentence marketing and, and it was one of my favorite discoveries that I ever did when I was raising money. Um, I was raising money in Dallas for, uh, buying non-performing loans and, I created a two sentence pitch that structurally can be, you know, copied anywhere. And, uh, with this two sentence, it allowed me to identify in a room full of people, the two people I needed to talk to. And I just ignored everyone else and just talked to those two people. And so here's what the two sentences were. The first sentence was, you know, people say, well, what do you do? And I go, well, I'm a bank robber. <laughs> and everybody kind of laughs and then they, then they, then they go, well, what does that mean? Right. And then my second sentence does this. It, you know, the, so the first sentence is always shock and awe. You want something really unusual, something shocking, something that pattern you know, stands interrupt. out. Yep. Yeah. Pattern interrupt. Right. Yeah. I, I, you know, that's why I call it shock and awe because most people understand that exactly. pattern interrupts people may or may not know the jargon. So, um, but it's a pattern interrupt. Uh, you like yours. It's like, you know, I, I bring you uh fat, profits or something like that you were talking about guaranteed to make you fat yeah that that's it and so it's kind of like people go what so you get their attention for about seven more seconds and in that seven seconds i want to identify my target customer or have them self-identify and um give them the biggest benefit that i bring them in one sentence right so people would say i'd say a bank robber and they go what does that mean i say i raise money from investors so i'm identifying my target audience investors. I raise money from investors and I buy real estate at 25 cents on the dollar. Anybody who's an investor will self-identify and say, that's me, I'm an investor. And anybody who's interested in buying real estate at 25 cents on the dollar will raise their hand and go, how do I get involved? So I can say that to a room full of people and the two people in the entire room would come over to me and say, I'm an investor. How do I get involved? So it was like two sentence marketing. Um, so, uh, exactly, exactly that. So how I would find him now is I'm, I'm looking for, um, you know, this distressed person. Another reason I just realized I like him distressed is they don't have an ego yeah. because they just got the crap kicked out of them. So I don't have to deal with a lot of the ego component. Yeah, exactly. And in fact, it's just the opposite. I have to like build them up a little bit and give them confidence. <laughs> So the, uh, uh, so that like, so I just would do two sentence marketing would, which would, you know, the first thing is like, well, i I make CEOs or I'm a kingmaker and make CEOs. Um, and the second one is I'm looking for down and out entrepreneurs who had a rough time and want to get back on track and build a new business. So that would be like a really simple sentence you could say, and you would get people coming out of the woodwork 
to you and saying, holy crap, I want to be involved. So it's not that hard to find them. Um, the hard part, of course, is making sure that they're the right fit for you and for the business that you're doing. You don't want somebody who's like all over the place and super visionary and, 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 um, no sense of what it takes to, to dig in after a failure. You want somebody who's had some failure, but knew what they did wrong in their, in their business and, uh, how they could, a lot of them, a lot of them, they just didn't have the resources. I, I could have had a successful business if I'd had enough money to do enough marketing to get more customers. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I can solve some of those things. Right. So, so then, yeah, then you talk to them, find out. I mean, then that's just a qualitative process and we right. won't go into all that because that's, you know, just the that's art of hiring one. and deeper, yeah, deeper discussion. Yeah. So then let's transition over to what that relationship is like early on. Like how, like how often are you involved with them to what level? I mean, I, I know it depends upon the person's experience and level of familiarity with what they're, you're bringing them in to do. But, um, like, are, are you meeting with them typically once a day, once a week? So, um, I like to bring them into the office. So we have daily interaction for the first 90 days at least. And to, to be honest, whenever I start a business, the first six months are total immersion for me and for them. While we identify the business model, we vet the business model. We say, whoops, we thought this, but this is true. And we look when we deal with some of the big dragons and understandings um, in the first six months. And then you go, Oh, okay. We know what to do. We know that doing. Uh, process one, two, three, and then repeat is what makes money. Okay. Do that. Right. And that, that's so on the first six months, I'm almost daily interacting with them. And then I start to peel myself kind of out of there. Uh, I'll interact with them weekly. I have, I hold them accountable. I want to see them at accounting, you know, like we do accounting meetings because at the end of the day, uh, Weekly, we have to look at what the financial numbers are because we have a lot of money moving around and a lot of money invested. And we want to make sure that we don't have any surprises where suddenly we're like, Oh, well, we need payroll next week. And, uh, we have six bucks in our account. We need, we have $40,000 in payroll. We don't want those kind of, you know, things coming up. We want to be able to see that as far ahead as possible and solve those before they happen. And that's where. Uh, me sitting in the background, I'm looking at the financials. I'm, I'm just kind of touching and base with their team and getting some feedback. You know, sometimes, sometimes I can identify problems before they happen where the, the team one time was like complaining about the CEO and, and they were all like pulling their hair. And it was because the CEO was doing a behavior that they weren't really aware of. So I took him in and sat him down and said, okay, do you realize this is what's going on? This is the, um, logical conclusion of this behavioral pattern over this period of time. How about we consider changing that? And then I can very gently uh, suggest changes to the CEO where they just come out of the office at the next day and they're like, they're do- they're different and they're doing things differently and their team starts responding to them differently. And so it's not like it's a big intervention from the whole executive team. It's just the CEO just keeps getting modified and changing their behavior till they get better and better and better. And so those, that's where I interact with them is by interacting with the rest of their team. I can kind of see how they're doing. And for the most part, I will literally let some of the CEOs have their mistakes and kind of get a little bit of humble pie served up <laughs> once in a while. Yeah. And then I'll come in and say, here, let me help you with that. And um, by doing that, I found that it's so much easier for me to run businesses that way. I can make much better uh, decisions being kind of behind the scenes and going, huh, what needs to really happen here? And I'm not as emotionally invested in uh, the decisions as I would be if I were the CEO, right? Right. And so uh, it's it's a very interesting perspective to say, well, 
you sure you want to do that? Because this is probably what will happen. And, and here's some of your other options. And, um, and they, they tend to, by doing that, it allows me to give gentler advice and they are, are more receptive to hearing it rather than you must do this or you will fail. Right. right yeah. <laughs> do you find yourself dealing more or less with, um, kind of like overall mindset stuff, you know, financial issues with them, uh, strategic marketing. Is it a, you know, is it a pretty even mix or is it like, man, most of my conversations just revolve around getting their head straight, their confidence or this, that, or the other. I'm just kind of curious on. Yeah. yeah. Oddly enough, um, the strategy and decision-making processes for how to run the businesses are like the least amount. Mm -hmm. It's almost always, especially with these, with a younger crowd and somebody who's been kicked really hard, um, it's almost always head head space stuff, you know. Like I don't feel like I can do this. I went, mean, why? I'm I'm right here. You're you're not alone. You're fine. Take the leap. I'm your safety net. Yeah. And so a lot of times it's the um, it's the head space game. And you know, uh, in fact, this just happened recently. Uh, one of my CEOs was moping around, and I could see that, so I let it go for about three or four days. And I brought him in, sat him down, says, how you doing? And they burst into tears. And I was like, oh. okay, so obviously not well. And that's pretty apparent because you've been moping around for the last three or four days. What's up? And a lot of what had happened is, is a lot of changes had happened really fast in the business where this person had all these responsibilities. And then we hired four people who took all these responsibilities off their plate. And this, the CEO is like, well, what am I supposed to do? What, do I still have any value? You, I, I, all these responsibilities are off my plate. And so, oh my gosh, what, what should I, am I, should I be worth it? Am I worth it? Should I do, do I deserve this? It was really a really interesting headspace hmm. because suddenly the CEO, I had brought in a couple people to help, uh, with the enormous amount of work to take it off their plate. And this, the CEO is just wondering if they were worth it anymore. I was like, oh yeah. You're going to work your ass off. This is, I've just given you some help. It doesn't mean anything about you. That's and interesting. Yeah. They started tying their value to their activities. I know. Right. And, and a good CEO and a good business owner should be reducing their activities and, re and removing themselves out of the business by having the business be profitable enough to pay for somebody to do that stuff for you. Right. And, and you know, people sometimes, you know, argue with me about, well, you know, Nobody can do it as well as I can. I says, no, but two can. Two people can. Right. And, you know? and is 70 or 80% really good enough if it frees you up to do all this other stuff? I, I know, right? So I say, good. I'll get two people who are 80% as good as you, and we'll have 160% more effectiveness than you. So stop bitching about it. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's so so it's it's a lot more than more than anything it's head games sometimes it's, it's very specific strategy but they get that pretty quick it's yeah. and uh, it's it's almost all head stuff do you, do you try to make sure that they're in you know your location especially in the you know the first 3 to 6 months that you know like you know you're in you're in New Mexico that if somebody in Florida for instance wanted to be that i i know it probably depends on case by case basis but do you much more prefer mandate that they're in house <laughs> Well, at this point in my kingmaking career, uh, yeah, I prefer them local and I don't care if they run a team outside of the state. I want them to be here with me for the first six months. And really, what, first of all, I develop a deep rapport with the, that person. And so second of all, when things, real problems come up later, we can have, we have that rapport. We can deal with those issues and we can talk about it. Right. Yeah. You're not treating them just like an ordinary employee that. Is just no. doing a task. Yeah the, the, yeah. the rapport here is much more important because you're trying to get them to really buy on to the longer term vision. 
Yeah. And, and another thing I do with all of my CEOs is I say, okay, we're going to take what your skill set is currently and we're going to figure out what the improvements are that you want in yourself. And I would like to see, and we're going to make a list and we're going to do skill acquisition. And I have a whole list here of all of the skills that I want a CEO to have as a fundamental base. And then from there we add on. What, and, if, what uh, are some of the, what are some of those skills? So I want them to have a fundamental understanding of business accounting, right? Well, how does, what's a balance sheet, you know, P and L cash flow? Because they're going to be responsible for that. Okay. As a partner and as a, as a CEO, they're going to be responsible for that. I want them to understand conflict resolution and conflict management in a team between you and your other people, between you and yourself, between you, um, you know, uh, between team members. How do you deal with conflict? How do you manage? I want them to have a really good understanding of people skills. So I will send them to classes, um, sometimes with Susan. And uh, in fact, most of my send to Susan. Nice. Um, I probably sent another 10 people to Susan in the last couple of years. <laughs> so uh, uh, the, the point is, is I want them to have a certain level of skill sets. And if you want, I can write down that I don't have it in front of me, but I have a list that I usually say, hey, you know, get all these skills. And if you don't have them, let's circle them and say, when are you going to get them? Nice. Yeah. I'd love to put that in the show notes. That's that's huge. Sure. Happy, happy to do that. And then some of them, like you said, it's not that you have to teach them all these skills. There's other resources that they can go learn. There's books they can learn about business accounting and conflict resolution and classes. Like that's just part of their entire development. As a CEO, you're not necessarily learning all the little micro strategies of how to advertise on Facebook. Right. No, yeah, no, I'm not saying go advertise on Facebook. Know what good Facebook advertising is supposed to look like and who does a good job for the right price and hire them. Right. right? I said for a long time, I try to, I try to live by this mantra, which is that I don't have to know everything if I can find the people who do. Absolutely. So, um, so not only do I have a skill, here's the other thing. There's an app called Smartly. I love this app. And, um, uh, and, and it's basically, uh, tiny bite-sized bits of business information in an app that says, Hey, do you want to understand the fundamentals of business accounting? Here's a little course on it. And they're like three to seven, 10 minute long uh, videos that like are tiny chunks. So it's super easy to consume. And, um, if you just keep dipping into the app, you're going to go, Oh, wow, that's a new skill. That's a new thing I'm going to add. And downloading it as we speak. All right. That's a good one. Also, um, and, and of course, YouTube has become the oh, new yeah. college, really. For I mean, real. screw college. You got YouTube. You want to know about, Oh, how do I run an Excel uh, spreadsheet? How do I do some complex IRR calculation in that? Uh, let me five minutes on, I, uh, on Excel. I, learn the calculation. I did it. And I went and taught it to a couple of CEOs really quick. And I was like, you guys need to know this. <laughs> um, you know, so, so YouTube has a lot of really good, fast, tiny, just in time learning, uh, pieces of information that I say, here's your resources. It's either me, this class, this YouTube, this app, this person, this whatever. And I give them a list of a- resources and say, you need to acquire the skills of a CEO. Where's negotiation? 101. You know, what is negotiation level two, whatever. Here they are. Go, re- go learn them. All right. I love that. That's really cool. Right. Uh, and it's, and I, I totally agree. I mean, whether it's YouTube, uh, there's, you know, Udemy and Coursera and there's Linda and there's a million, obviously other people who have info products. I mean, like what you, that, this is, that's a conversation I actually would want to do another podcast on is just probably, especially when it comes to business, how, all the places you can learn for the five minutes or less a day. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah. 
You become it's, a Superman. Yeah, the information is out there, and you know, truthfully, most of it is really is free. If it's not in a book, it's somewhere. You know, it's on a video, it's on YouTube, uh, it's on a podcast. Bacon. It's on a podcast. Right. <laughs> um, the. Uh, yeah, this is fascinating. I know it's it's one of the areas where I have I've just been un, I've not developed this, you know, for myself and it was really funny as I was rereading, I was showing somebody else, my friend JJ, um the book Rocket Fuel just yesterday. And one of the things I was reading in there and I was showing him it was like I just kind of came back across it cuz it talked about oh, actually this is so funny. I just opened right back up to it. It says one of the well, giving people more concept, it's about visionaries and integrators. So I'm a visionary. I come up with great ideas and I'm great at getting the ball rolling and I'm terrible at managing the day-to-day intricacy and details. And he talks about these are the weaknesses of most visionaries. And one of them, he says, developing talent. He goes, even in good to great, Jim Collins describes that, you know, one common leadership behavior pattern is a genius with a thousand helpers. And he says, many visionaries suffer from this problem. You're very bright. You likely made it this far in your own capabilities. You haven't had to develop it because you've done this all with your own brute strength. So it isn't surprising you've spent little time thinking about how to develop such resources. Um, he says, your gift is actually telling other people what to do. So you naturally order your young, high potential talented leaders around and sometimes end up running them off instead of developing them. So he goes on several more paragraphs that I won't read, just discussing how important that is to make that switch into developing, the, you know, the team. Because as a visionary, you probably haven't had to do it in the past, and it really resonated with me as is this conversation, saying, "Yeah, if I want to kind of evolve, that's where I need to be." Um, that that is uh, that is so true. I. I- I can't underscore that enough, Brad. I mean, you've hit it right there on the head. And here's the, here's the problem I've run across with most business owners is they go, well, I'm too busy to develop talent and I'm too busy to work on this. So I have to just keep working. And I'm going, yeah, you, you know, you're, you're, you got a high paid job. You don't really own a business. Yeah. And because, um, because of my experience when I was in my early thirties of taking a company public, I realized, holy crap, I don't have any experience in any of this stuff. Uh, I need the experts. And so I learned, I had a mentor luckily who kicked my ass and made me delegate. And as it got delegated out and as it got handed out, I realized, wow, this is a really powerful thing. Um, so I developed that skill of delegation and it came in really handy as I started doing other businesses of, I am going to delegate the business part of it to somebody and reward them really well. And I'm going to be, take the, uh, instead of taking the passive investor and hope and pray, because I think hope is a terrible business model. Yeah. Um, and, and hope and pray that the business makes money. I'm going to take a somewhat active, not totally active, um, role in this. But instead of running around and trying to get more sales for the company or whatever, I say, what is the best, most strategic thing I can do? Period to help the company. And it, I realized early on it was developing the right team and that meant developing the right leadership. And if I wasn't going to be the leader, somebody had to. So just by sheer, you know, doing enough of this, I said, if I develop my CEOs first, the business will, the culture will flow from them. The longevity of the business will flow from that. And the, um, the scale and the power and the consistency of the business will flow from the right person. So if I, come to somebody and say, you've got the raw talent, let me develop it. 
um, they, they will make me so much money. I can go do other things. In fact, just, to, just as a real quick numbers example, um, we started up 11 months ago, uh, a new business. I took, brought a CEO in. Uh, this is the, uh, one that was moping around a little bit the other day, mm-hmm. um, and developed that person. And one year later, we now have enough assets that the business is going to generate roughly about a million dollars a year in net revenue. And it only took 11 months to get to that point, helping the CEO rather than doing the business. I, I can go. So if I don't show, I haven't shown up for the office, like, uh, you know, a couple of days for the last couple of months. So if I don't show up, the business is still growing and doing well. And it only took 11 months to do it because I have somebody who's committed to being here every day and taking care of all the little dragons that pop up and do everything. And I'm just like, wow. And this person has, you know, a 15% interest in the business and possibly more. So it, it's, it's phenomenal to see a business built that size and that scale. And just by helping one person out, the right person, and staying out of their way. Yeah. You know? I, I don't micromanage. I, I go, let me guide you and get out of your way. Yeah, that's, that is my, as I said, my personal goal to develop out that skill set for myself because I've noticed, uh, I mean, even just as I use the example with one of the businesses that I'm running, the Stiletto Coffee with my wife and, uh, you know, most of the, you know, she handles a lot of the, the coffee stuff and, Whatnot, and obviously because of my skill set, I handle the digital marketing and the the tech. And I, uh, although I've outsourced and outtasked, I've brought people in and had you know people serve those little roles. I've still found myself much more involved in the day to day stuff. I mean, dealing with Amazon, dealing with this, that, and the other. Even though I've got a little help, and um, it's starting to cause that uh, frustration. Frustration, right? <laughs> Where I've realized You're the genius with yeah. a thousand helpers. Yes, exactly. And I've, um, you know, luckily I've, I have been talking to a couple people who would potentially be, uh, good to kind of bring on as that role, but it's, you know, somebody there as a partners, I don't really know yet. It's still so early, but, you know, I even thought about reaching out to people and this is where I got stopped. I was like, okay, where do I start to reach out to those people who would come in and want to kind of take over and, uh, and create okay. that. So let's, let's, let's walk through this pro, let's walk through this, how I would approach it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I have a, uh, I have a coffee business with my wife. My wife would kill me, frankly. So I have a coffee yeah. business with my wife. I know my impending death is coming. I have to do something different. Right. So I have to get my wife out of the business and I have to get myself out of the business, but I still want to retain, um, what I've developed and built. All right. So here's what I would do is I would literally go to a couple coffee, uh, what do you call those things? Conferences. And I would show up and say, who are the fucking superstars here? Who are the best guys? And they'll say, Oh, this salesman from this guy, this guy from here, this guy. You're going to go and talk to all these superstars. And guess what? They're employees. They're employees for a big company and they're doing really well doing their thing, but they're probably yearning for more. And then you start having that conversation with some people and say, Hey, you know, have you, you know, have you ever thought of going out on your own? Yeah, but I don't have the money. What if somebody did? What if some, instead of going there and saying, Hey, I have this coffee company and you should buy or sell my stuff or whatever, instead of approaching it like you're a salesman and a businessman, I would, I would approach it from, I'm looking for raw talent that I can cultivate. And so if I sat, found two or three people there, I'd sit them down to, to coffee, literally, and mm-hmm. say, here's the guy, here's the deal, guys. Um, I have a business, but I need a CEO and I'm looking to make one of you guys, well, a lot of money. Here's the thing. It's going to require a shitload of work. 
you probably have to take a pay cut for a little while, but I want you, somebody like you to step in and run this. If you're interested, let's have a further conversation. But I lay out all the ugly first. I can make you a lot of money, but it's going to be a lot of work. It's going to take several years and you're going to have to be fully responsible. Would you be interested in a CEO position? And for somebody who's doing really well or who has a lot of contacts in the business industry already, that opportunity doesn't knock on their door at all, ever at work. <laughs> That's true. And so I'm, and you say, so here's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at a 15% equity position. Um, I'm looking at growing this. And if somebody goes, I was in a business when we started at this level and we grew it to this level and I did all this stuff and I got nothing. You say, how would you like to do this again? Except get something mm -hmm. in their own head. They've already started to buy into their historical past experiences. They know their black book. They know how to do it faster and better this time. And God damn it, this time they're actually going to get a piece. It would be so easy for you to find a CEO who would step in, take over. I don't even care if they're in your area because it no, because you're doing everything online doesn't but, even yeah. fucking matter and say, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to help you become the CEO. I'm going to help. I'm going to hook you up with some coaching to make sure you have some resources and all the training you need. But eventually I want you to rock and roll this sucker to, you know, a hundred million dollars and sell it to Starbucks. Dude, we just sold this company to this other company. Yeah, you know, you're going to find so much experience that is bottled up and has zero outlet of opportunity anywhere else but what you're giving them. Yeah, and you're spot on with that. Like you said, these people who are typically just employees and they're good employees, if they don't if they're you know, if they're not one of the minority who breaks out and becomes a an entrepreneur and takes that risk on themselves. And it, it takes a certain type of person to do that. Dude, it takes a dumb ass person to become an entrepreneur. Uh, I do have to be this. like stupid in five ways to start. Yeah. I so said you have to be like delusionally optimistic. Delusionally is the key word. Right. Um, and so I don't take people who are delusionally optimistic. I've got plenty of delusion myself. No yeah, need to. Yeah. No need to start anymore. Their, they're starting their own companies. It's yeah. Finding the ones who can come in right. and just go, you know, just absolutely honored at the opportunity to be a uh, part of a much you know, to be a big fish in a small pond. Absolutely. And so there's all this bottled up talent that has app that is looking for the next 20 to 30 years of working and getting fuck all. And right. you go and you tap into that. You're going to have a geyser of opportunity of, of, of people and high, high talent come running at you. And you say, here's the deal, guys. We're going to set aside 35% of the business. This much is going to the CEO. This much is going to future employees in an employee owned piece. If you are committed to seeing this thing grow, you get a piece of it and you can survive and do that. Suddenly you've built a business. Now here's your, here's your golden opportunity. A lot of entrepreneurs have the, I got to own 100% of the pie or I get less. Well, that's true, but I can now own 15 pies um, and owning a chunk, a good chunk of them, but I don't have to run any of them. They they run the business, they build it, they're vested, they want to see it succeed as much as you do. And now you have got a loyal following internally that are not going to quit and they're going to go and build something huge. Yeah, It was uh, Rockefeller who said, I'd rather have, uh, I'd rather have 1% of um a hundred people's effort than a hundred percent of my own something Correct. like that yeah right yeah because the one percent of a hundred people you're not living it at a hundred people it could be a thousand it yeah. could be ten thousand exactly so if i can get 15 or 20 percent of some really financial uh, i mean powerful you know like people with a lot of horsepower and i can hook my wagon onto that and say go but I can have a direct influence in how successful they are because I've already done this a number of times. Then me, my investors, everybody wins. The employees, the CEO, everybody wins. And I do it by actually being more generous than, you know, 
you would think would be sane. I'm like, no, I'm going to give a chunk away. And people go, well, you're giving all this stuff away. I go, but this isn't my last deal. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so the thing is, is that by, by creating a million, by doing exactly this, I created a million dollar a year net income by hooking up the right CEO, hooking her up with the right, uh, what do you call it? Talent and putting a lot of people behind this person and saying, here you go. You have the resources, you have the money, you have the uh, connections and then stay out of the way. They're like, I'm not micromanaged. I'm going to step up to a new level of responsibility. And that's awesome. Yeah, you're right. Right. A lot of entrepreneurs really think that they have to be geniuses and they have to micromanage everyone to be perfect. And if you encourage people and you are like a cheerleader and you, God, you got to bite your tongue sometimes say, Oh, I wouldn't do that. But if you can bite your tongue, they will figure it out for you and then they will get better for doing it the next time. So I will let them make mistakes as mistakes and fail knowing that the next several times they will make better decisions. Let them touch the hot stove and realize it's hot. They only do it once. That's true. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. I love it. I mean, this is, um, this has been great. And as I said, is it, it really plays into the conversation I had had with, uh, with Mark Winters from Rocket Fuel. It plays on to, uh, you know, it starts to solve this kind of thinking. It's this evolution starts to solve some of the frustrations that I've personally had, which is, um, you know, my love for the big concept, my love for being able to, like, I walk into so many opportunities and I've had to get really good at saying no to stuff, even though it's just excruciatingly painful sometimes. Um, but, you know, the, the people that I've seen who have the most success, uh, end up, you know, utilizing this mindset. Uh, th- did you ever read the book? I, th- I may have talked to you about it the other day when we were chatting, but there's a book by Roger Hamilton called, uh, Millionaire Master Plan. Have you ever heard of Roger? No, I haven't. Actually. So he's got two things. I'll, I'll send you links to him. So one of them is you'll love, you'll absolutely love this, by the way. Um, he's the founder of Wealth Dynamics and I think it's like wealthdynamics.com. And, you know, there's a lot of personality tests out there. Right. But one of the, the cool parts about this is you take the test and it doesn't just, it doesn't say, Dale, you're a quick start. It doesn't tell you all of your, your, you know, qualities. It, it lumps you into one of six, I'm sorry, one of eight different entrepreneurial, like wealth creation profiles. It says, okay, you're either a star, you're a creator, you're a deal maker, you're a supporter, you're a mechanic, you're a trader, you're a lord, you're an accumulator. And this is, this is based upon your area of genius. So for instance, like the mechanic, he's like, mechanics are the ones who create duplicatable systems. They're the Ray Crocs of the world. He didn't invent McDonald's. It wasn't his big vision. He just understood how to make it a system. There's like the Richard Bransons of the world and the Steve Jobs are the, they have the big visions. They're the creator. They don't do all the other stuff. I'm kind of like going through these real quickly. You know, obviously the star makes sense. You know, it's Oprah Winfrey. You make the money off the yourself. Um, I kind of fall in, I've always fallen into the supporter and deal maker role. And one of the reasons is because those are two areas where, you know, my area of genius really is the, uh, like I, for lack of a better word, a people person, right? But he says people will either solve, you know, by their nature a problem by asking who, what, how, or when, right? So I always ask who, who can help me? Who's got this? Who has what I need? Who needs what I have? Uh, other people, like when he says, if you want to know when, uh, these are, these are great traders. They make great real estate flippers, stock traders, uh, you know, buying it low and selling high on eBay, things like that, right? Then there's the accumulators and the lords and the people who buy cash flow assets. And I have a feeling you're kind of more of a, between a deal maker and a, <laughs> I guess a lord. 
Yeah. But um, you, you'd really uh, – I'll send you some links to this. You'd find it super duper interesting. But it also talks about how, uh, you know, if you're if if you're a deal maker and you're trying to be a mechanic, uh, you're trying to put a square peg in a round hole. Like the deal maker needs the mechanic to create the systems to generate deal flow to get them in. So it talks about how to partner up with the right people and how to plug those holes in your organization. Um, and that's that's the first part. But the second part, that was Wealth Dynamics. In his other book, Millionaire Master Plan, which by the way, I hate the title of the book because it sounds kind of you know, generically cheesy. cheesy, right? But it's one of the most brilliant books I've read because it takes two prongs. It says, first of all, know what, what your area of genius is. Are you a who, what, how, or when person? Uh, and then he says, know what level you're at. Are you a worker? Kind of like cash flow quadrant, right? Are you a worker? Are you self-employed? Are you a business owner? Are you an investor? But there's like nine levels. And he explains how if you're at this level, this is, these are the skill sets that you need to develop to get to the next level because all the skill sets that got you to where you're at will keep you from moving up. And he explains which skills, like exactly how to do that based upon your area of genius. Um, it's kind of deep, but it's so, it's, it was so impactful for me when I was reading it going, Oh, okay. This is how you up level. This is, these are the mindset changes you need to make. And one of those, uh, you know, we talked about this, which was, when you go transition from being like uh, the business owner, the CEO to the investor, kind of like yourself, you're not looking at the same metrics, right? You're not looking at conversion rate optimization. You're not looking at, uh, hey, how many leads are we getting? Now you're looking at the P&L, the balance sheet, these right. things. And it totally changes because you have to step away, release these things, bring somebody else in and just focus on the big numbers instead of micromanaging it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I think you'd find it fascinating. I highly recommend uh, – well, damn it, Brad, you've added to my book list. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's a long list, but all right, I'll yeah. put it right on there. But um, I I actually mind map the book. I'll send you my mind map. I think oh, you'll no like kidding? it. Oh, I love those. Yeah. My I mind map the crap out of everything. It's it's the way that I absorb. Which, which software do you use for that, by I the way? I use two. So I use xmind.net, uh-huh. which is free, uh, uh-huh. but it's not online. It's a program you download. What I like about it is you don't need internet connection and, and it's blazingly fast. And then I use MindMeister. Oh, I, lo- I love MindMeister. I have an account too. I pay for that just because Same. my teams, um, I go, guys, we're going to map this out. And then I give it to my team and then I'm out of there. You know, it's awesome. Yeah. And then I, I can watch really organic stuff uh, grow there. Yeah. I live by mind maps. I, I, I actually went through years ago. I started going through some of my favorite um, marketing courses that I bought and business courses. And like if I bought something, uh, you know, as I went through it, I would just start mind mapping it. And I was looking for all the big actionable points, the things I wanted to remember. So I'm not just sitting there going through video after video. I'm like, all right, I'm going to break down the structure. And now I have a visual structure of the entire course that I can go back to. And it's at quick reference. I can just jump around. I'll, I'll send you one of them. And you, I would love that. It's it's like now become my training stuff. It's like, oh, wait, I don't want to go back and log into this course and try to find it. Like, no, I've mind mapped it and now I've integrated it in my brain and now I can remember it. Oh, <laughs> so. uh, I tell you what, that whole, that whole thing is, is a podcast unto itself. I mean, I used to use, uh, put together mastermind groups and used MindMeister to, and Skype and we'd all be on there. We'd all be talking. And as we'd be talking, we'd all be adding to the master. Yeah. 
It was brilliant stuff that at the end of each mastermind meeting, we would have actionable points for each person and accountability and everything else. It's brilliant. Yeah, that's cool. And I remember like just doing that, just going through something else and doing that. It, it just solidified. I know in, in my brain, it goes back to when I was in high school and I would cheat my butt off in high school to a point. I was like, I, like a halfway cheater because I would wait to the last minute and then I'd get nervous and I think, okay, I'm going to create a, uh, a cheat sheet. And I'd spend all night instead of studying, just writing all this stuff down, like really small, creating a cheat sheet. And I'd take it into the class. And by the time I got to the class, I didn't need the cheat sheet because just doing that integrated <laughs> it in my brain. Too bad you had to write it so small. I mean, you could have just written yeah. it regular, right? I know, right? And it was, it's so funny. I never put those two together until it took me forever. I was like, oh, wait a minute. That, that's actually how I learned. <laughs> no kidding. Do it all at once, brain dump and, you know, get it out. So what, um, what are some nuts you're trying to crack right now? Um, well, I'm, so I'm in the assisted living facility. Uh, business. We're buying up assisted living facilities. We have a goal to buy about 3,000 beds over the next four years and, you know, and then have a big exit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I just, uh, what I do is I just, uh, I do things that the CEO may or may not have experience in, which is raising money from investors and, and, uh, kind of laying out the big plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, so the big nut that I'm trying to crack is really, I want to, I want really want to figure out how and what to do with our online marketing. Um, cause we do online stuff that would effectively help me crowd fund, um, real estate deals at an amazingly fast pace. Yep. Right. Yeah, And that's why we were talking the other day because yeah. of the crowdfunding, um, episodes that I did. Yeah, those are, those are brilliant. And so what I'm looking at is going, all right, well, there's a bunch of platforms or I could build a platform. I don't really want to get into building a platform. I just want to figure out how to do, how to effectively utilize what's already existing, right? I don't have to build a Facebook or a social network to get hold of a bunch of people. I just have to use Facebook. Mm Um, so, so I'm really thinking through that process right now. And that's kind of, um, and I'm, I'm also got a couple, I don't know, opportunities that have been, I've been approached by and I'm looking at them. But, uh, for the most part, I am, uh, mentoring about five people through various stages of uh, CEO-ness. A couple of them are early stage. So I tell them, you're on the CEO fast track. I want you to work for me for X number of years. I want you to learn all these things, but you're right now just a worker. And when I have a business that needs somebody like you, I will g- call you first. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm grooming people in my my working uh, group of my employees that I'm, uh, you know, so I've got somebody at like the very beginning who's very young, 22, and I'm grooming that person for um, a fast track to CEO hood. But it, I told this person it's going to be about five years. Then I've got people in. Oh, they'll be 27 before they're a CEO. Poor I baby. know, right? But that's okay because right. they're realizing that at 22, they're not really ready. Because I say, come here, look at all the responsibility you would have if somebody, if this really bad thing happened. And they're like, yeah, I don't want it yet. But I want to learn how to do it. Yep. So I'm grooming them there by giving them, you know, a behind the scenes look at, you know, the stresses and the opportunities as well as some of the successes of some of the other CEOs that I'm grooming. Then I've got uh, a couple CEOs that I'm grooming through various businesses. And I've, so I've got a couple up and coming and in the pipeline and I'm always looking for more. And, uh, uh, you know, and I've got some people who are coming up through management. What I'm doing is I'm really, really, really focused this, this next, you know, 10 years and developing talent to the point where, uh, instead of having multiple assets, um, 
I want multiple companies run by CEOs that I've personally groomed and know their behaviors, traits and their, how they deal with stress and how they deal with difficulty and how they deal with, you know, profitability as well. I want those people personally groomed by me so that I can have a bunch of companies. And that's what, so that's what I'm working on in the next 10 years is, is CEO grooming. I'm not building companies anymore. I'm building CEOs who will build the companies. I love so that. That's my whole focus. I love it. I'm, I'm definitely going to make an introduction to Mark Winters, the uh, author of Rocket Fuel. I think you guys need to to chat about this because that is his like he calls them the integrators right as opposed right. to just the ceo but um i may have mentioned it to you one of his well, big sometimes th- sometimes a ceo needs an integrator so uh sometimes yeah. they are one yeah sometimes they are one sometimes they can be part visionary and i can be part visionary my goal is not to be the visionary everywhere every time oh, yeah. for everything my goal is to uh, you know, put CEOs who can put a good team together. Well, and sometimes you don't need as much vision. I mean, a lot of times the visionaryness is just needed to get the ball rolling. And then if it's a relatively simple business model, you just need somebody to go in there and execute on a static vision that doesn't always have to change. Yeah. And, um, I mean, to be perfectly frank, uh, assisted living is not new. No, yeah. It's, it's, you know, getting old will never go out of style. It's like a really stupid, boring, but extremely profitable business. So, you know, I don't need somebody to be a crazy visionary. If I want to change the world, I, I go, I want you to be able to fill 3000 and manage 3000 beds. That is, that doesn't require a lot of vision. Exactly. Just, that requires a lot of execution. Exactly. Um, are you also looking for, you know, potential people who are you know, if, if this has kind of struck a chord with them, if they want to kind of contact you about, you know, potentially investing and stuff like that, is there a um, path? You know, I, so investors, you know, they can reach out to me and talk. If we're, if it's a fit, we can discuss it. If it's not, I, you know, I'm not a fit for everybody, which right. is fine. Um, I'm doing some really cool, fun, fun exciting stuff. But uh, if they want to talk to me or ask me additional questions, they're more than happy to uh, reach out to me. Um, I think uh, how how do you typically do it? I mean, I I, no, gave, I mean if uh, I gave I my email in a podcast once and I got like a thousand emails in a day <laughs> and I was like, holy shit! All right. So <laughs> I mean, if you have a, if if you have a general website where they can kind of go fill out a form or something, then that makes it easier. Okay, I'll do you, or they can just contact me and say, "Hey, Brad, hook me up with Dale." Oh yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll give you a link that you can you can do that. So in the show notes, but the um, you know one of them is who is Zen Dolphin. I have a, a Facebook page there. I don't really post that much there, yeah. so but it's a place to reach me. Uh, I also have um, uh, the AssistedLivingInvestor.com. That's a website we just started, so it's uh, hasn't been finished out yet, but it's where I'm going to be dumping a lot of thoughts and experiences there. Um, and I'll give you a personal link that will lead to an email that they can reach out to me if they want to perfect yeah awesome um got any other big plans coming up any big travel plans this uh, uh new cool? new york um vegas uh a couple other places uh, you when know you, I, when are you going to vegas uh the 30th the end of this month okay i, I think i'll be there on the like the 23rd 4th there's an event that my friend and former guest keith yaki is putting on so oh nice what, what, what's what's the uh are you going out there for an event or a no i was actually going out there for uh, um a couple of larger we're looking at a 12 million dollar deal and i need to sit down with a couple of guys over dinner and say oh, nice. how are we going to execute this and that's about it like assisted living yep cool yeah yeah and uh uh and new york um also i think will be the 30th of this month as well um that's going to be affiliate summit so i'll be out there oh yeah that is affiliate summit I was thinking about going to New York like right after like I, I might be there right before that, but I don't know. We'll we'll kinda see. I've got to be back to pick up Kenya from Brazil on like August third or fourth. But uh <laughs> 
Send when her down for a month. That? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I should. That's what Uber's for, dear. Uber. Uber. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, and I know I'm doing some extra research. I got some feelers out for you regarding uh, some of the possibilities on Title Three equity crowdfunding. Love to know more for this because the the big question I know with with that it's it's relatively inexpensive to get going. I mean, I think it's like ten thousand dollars in in uh, general regular you know filing fees, etc. The only the only uh, thing that isn't quite pinned down yet is exactly what's possible. On marketing those deals, I've heard they're a little bit more strict than the Title IV ones. Um, and that somebody was, I was hearing that, oh, you can only put out like a tombstone that doesn't really sell the sizzle. And another person was saying you can. So kind of want to figure out what's possible there because there could definitely be some, um, some opportunity. Well, there's new rules. With new rules come somebody getting slapped. And when somebody gets slapped, everybody does. And, that, and that's the problem is nobody's gotten, nobody's gotten made an example of yet. So there is no precedence. Right. So right. you never want to. <laughs> you only know one. when you screwed up after the fact, and it's kind of you know that's that's the SEC. Yeah, yeah. Do what you want, and then we'll tell you when you when you screwed up. I, I've never appreciated that, but oh, what a, whatever. Exactly. I mean, I ran a publicly traded company. I know what you can and can't say to investors uh, on the investment side, typically. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's probably going to be similar to that. Really, yes. I mean, you just can't say that water will cure your cancer. Well, it's not like. even so much that it's because now, I mean, you can. You can um, advertise on Facebook. You can do all this other stuff, and then you can build these stories around it. And I think they're trying to be careful so that it's not so many marketers just coming in and hyping it up. Yeah, but I don't oh, know. It'll happen anyway. Oh yeah, it's it, it, that's that's we for may sure. only have One a few good years of this. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Somebody uh, will screw it up. Some affiliate will come in and you know say this one weird trick. Well, <laughs> oh yeah. Absolutely. And then we're done. Well, Dale, this has been fun, man. It's always good to catch up with you. Hopefully we can Absolutely. You know, meet each other up in person and I'll um I'll let you know when this go live. I'm gonna make a handful of introductions. So you know, we'll be talking here in the next uh, I'm sure several weeks as it is on yep. outside stuff. For all my listeners, hope you've enjoyed this. I've really enjoyed it. This has been a really fun one. It's kinda it's cool to take a to zoom out on the some of the business strategies and the mindsets that it takes to kind of really get to the next level, which is what a lot of people want to do as opposed to just the micro tactics, which I also love. And it's, that's kind of like the sizzling, the the stuff that's the, that's the candy that keeps us all uh, involved. But this is the kind of topics that will help you grow as a business owner as, as it, I know it'll help me as well. If, uh, you know, the show notes will have links to what Dale was talking about and you can always get in touch with him or, co- you know, come through me. You can email me at askbrad at baconwrappedbusiness.com. You know, if you're interested in, uh, you know, being groomed by Dale or potentially working with me on some of my ideas, uh, feel free to reach out to me. I know that I am looking for my integrators. I'm looking to create CEOs for myself as well because I'm, I am at that stage and, you know, love it when my listeners reach out. And uh, let me know what they can do to help me because I'm here to help you as well. So share this, uh, share this episode on social media. Tell your friends about it. Subscribe to the newsletter at baconwrapbusiness.com. And do not hesitate to subscribe to the show so you don't miss a single episode. Dale, thanks again, brother. Appreciate thanks, your time. Thanks, bud. Catch and you later. We will talk soon.